This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. One of the areas of focus for growth around women in the workplace have been the STEM fields. Part of that, science and engineering. A book looking at the issues for women in that space, as well as in space itself, is titled Fighting for Space, Two Pilots and Their Historic Battle for Female Spaceflight. It is out in paperback this month, and it tells the story of Jackie Cochran and Jerry Cobb and their fight in the middle of the 20th century to get their shot at being involved in the burgeoning space industry in the U.S. at that time. Amy Shiratitle is the author of that book. She is also a spaceflight historian, and she joins us with more about this story. Amy, thanks very much for your time. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And and this is just an interesting story as I think more and more we see interest once again in spaceflight as it becomes, you know, more of a private sector industry. But tell us a little bit about the story of Jackie and Jerry and their want to be in space many, many years ago. Yeah, both uh, Jackie Cochran and Jerry Cobb are outstanding pilots. Jackie especially was the most decorated pilot of the 20th century uh, first woman to fly supersonically, led the Women's Air Force as pilot since the Second World War. Um, and um, the two of them, their stories kind of converge over this issue of whether or not women should join the space, uh, the space program in the early 1960s. So Jackie, as the standout pilot, was arguably the most qualified woman and the only woman really qualified at all in the country to do so. But Jerry had been in the right place at the right time to take the same medical test that the astronauts took in the late 1950s. So used that to kind of leverage herself into this position of power to argue that for women's inclusion in the astronaut corps. And um, the, the two women kind of go head to head trying to take control over this narrative of a women's spaceflight program that didn't exist. But it did sufficiently raise the issue of whether women could qualify or should qualify as astronauts to the public in the 1960s. It's interesting because there is a, a, a relatively significant age difference between the two, but they they did have somewhat of a friendly rivalry for a while, correct? <laughs> Maybe more rivalry, less friendly, but yeah, there's a 25 yeah. year age difference between them, and um, the you know competition kind of fuels anybody to kind of push themselves and push what they want to do, and um, both of them kind of fell into that not only with each other but with you know any other pilot. Um, so their, their rivalry really did become kind of wanting to, to be the standout, wanting to be the leader of voice, leading voice in this question um, as it kind of gained momentum within the media. But um, at the end of the day, no one was going to touch Jackie. <laughs> she was just she was too good and too, frankly, too well connected um, to, you know, the first she was the first woman in the United States to be able to fly a jet because her husband had the right connections to not only get her a jet, but get Chuck Yeager to teach her how to fly it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is interesting that, you know, in many cases, some of the issues that these women were dealing with uh, back in the you know 1950s and 60s are some, you know, similar types of issues that women are dealing with today. Yeah, absolutely. Which is one of my, my favorite things in writing this book was to kind of tease out, discreetly tease out these elements that are very prevalent for women. Um, the way the, the news portrayed them in the 50s and 60s, there was always a mention of their hair color and their measurements, which is still, you know, I see as reflective now in the way that um, news articles about women doing something outstanding in their field always leads with their biology. You know, woman does this. Well, what about just really qualified human does this? Why do we have to yeah. lead with the biology? Um, 
Jackie, uh, in addition to being one of the most outstanding pilots of the century, ran a luxury cosmetics line. And I, I love that she was uncompromising in being a dominant force in the male-dominant field, but also hugely feminine and embodied both sides of her, which is very relevant because women today are constantly being told, you don't look like a scientist. You don't look like what, you're, what I think you're supposed to look like. So why should I take you seriously? You're wearing a dress. And it's just, you know, that we've been dealing with these issues for, for going on a century now. It's just sort of like, yep, yeah. we're, still, we're still here. We've made progress. But these little things that kind of nag at women, I think, are very much still, still there. So I think when you when you talk about this topic in general, I think people would most logically assume that the first thing you think about uh, would be female astronauts. And certainly that's part of this this story in general about the growth uh, of women in this industry. But I also want to touch on the, the, the women behind the scenes that maybe don't get the headlines, but are obviously providing just an unbelievable uh, service to be able to get these aircraft up into space. What is the representation like in that area specifically over time? Yeah, they're they're better. <laughs> in short, better. Um, especially in in the early in the early sixties and kind of the Apollo era. You know, the, the astronauts were basically rock stars, but they're the you know the astronauts and like a handful of engineers that are kind of more commonly known. They're the tip of this iceberg of, you know, 400,000 people that worked to get Apollo to the moon. And there's just as many people in the early days, just as many people working with the, the military. So even though you see this kind of tip of the iceberg of the astronauts, the supporting crew beneath all of that was actually fairly diverse for the time. I feel like I have to qualify that because, you know, systematically it was really hard for women to get into fields of engineering, but some did. And yeah. those who did... Um, interestingly, NASA was kind of one of those places for the most part that was like, I don't care who you are. I care what your brain can do. And if your brain can do this stuff, then you're in. So um, even though women weren't able to join the astronaut corps, and it was not an issue of gender, it was an issue of a lot more things. It's a very nuanced issue, um, very complicated. There were, in, in the 60s, NASA did start really promoting the women who worked for the agency. Um, the one that's kind of most familiar to people, Nancy Grace Roman, was an astronomer, and she was the first female head of a, um, of a division at NASA because she was just, you know, really good, and they didn't care that she was a woman. They cared that she was really good. So there, there was a huge support network of, of women who were, you know, pilots who were testing, who were in the medical field, who were doing the engineering, some engineering work, computers. Um, they were very present, just not not as seen because that tip of the iceberg kind of dominated the narrative. So ha has that pattern continued now as the space industry is more privatized and you see companies like SpaceX and others really kind of taking the reins in a lot of this uh, in a lot of this sector right now? When we're talking about diversity and kind of inclusion within space, it's definitely a lot better. <laughs> um, you, yeah. you see women in, in key roles. You see kind of, the, you know, that tip of the iceberg is now shared more equally among people. I think there's still a lot, you know, women are a little bit discouraged in some cases from pursuing uh, a male-dominant field, not only, you know, whether it's a guidance counselor telling you maybe you're not the best at math or whether it's, someone advising you, you know, it's going to be really hard. You're going to have to work twice as hard to rise to the top if you want to go into the male-dominant world of aeronautical engineering. You know, a lot of, there are still a lot of deterrents for women, but more and more just seeing women in these positions, I think, is helping bring the next generation and saying, like, I don't care if I have to work harder. I want to do this. Like, 
for, forget it. I'm doing this thing that I want to do. And that's, that's great. So we are definitely seeing a shift. There's still challenges. There, there will, we're, I think we're a ways away from having no challenges for people. But um, it's definitely gotten a lot better. Great having you with us today, uh, Amy. All the best with the book. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Amy Shear, a title. The book is titled Fighting for Space, Two Pilots and Their Historic Battle for Female Spaceflight. As we mentioned, it is out in paperback right now. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.